Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Great. So, we are in our series called God With Us, and this morning we're going to take a little bit of a U-turn in that one. We're going to go someplace different than what we were going the whole way through this series. And this is a series where we're looking at what does it mean to experience God's presence in different seasons of our life. And this morning we're going to do a little bit of a different thing like I've mentioned. We're going to look at Christmas because it's Christmas Day. Now, the way I'd like to start it off with is I want to ask you, what's the thing that you enjoy most about Christmas? You must be honest now. This is an, an open and an honest moment. Do you like presents? Who enjoy presents most? Why well, am I not seeing any hands? You are lying and you're sitting in church. This is unbelievable. Anyone that likes family? Family most. Family. Family. Spending some time. Who loves being off from work? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I can see lots of hands up there. Okay, cool. That's good. And it's interesting. The reason why I'm asking the question is so many times we have, is there anything else, Kubis? The food, obviously. Hello. He enjoys the food. Sorry. Thank you so much, Corvus. That's why Father Christmas is right here in the front to remind me about the wonderful food. So the reality is, is many times when we think about Christmas, we think about these four things, not just three. Seems like food is big on the radar here. Four things. And the reason for it is we many times connect meaning of Christmas to these four items. We would like, yeah, Christmas means I get some off time at work. It means spending time with family. It means, like my kids would say, presents, and it also means having some good food and, and hopefully some good and great company. But the reality is, is Christmas means so much more than just that. So this morning, I'm going to be looking at um, one of the Gospels that doesn't just tell us what happened during Christmas. And we've been using Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 as our anchor verse. It says the following. You can read with me on the screen. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we've been looking at this verse, and as I've mentioned, what does it look like when God is with us in the different seasons of life? But the reality is, is this morning, I want us to look at a different gospel. Because Matthew and Luke tells us what happened at Christmas, but John tells us the meaning behind what happened. So he goes deeper into this little verse. It's almost like the explanation of Matthew 1.23 is found in John verses 1 verse, uh, John chapter 1 verses 14, and it goes as follows. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And all I want to do this morning is I just want to spend some time with you guys just meditating on this verse and taking out what it means to celebrate Christmas. And I'm going to show you four things that Christmas means just from this verse that we're reading. So the first one is the Word. This verse says that Jesus Christ is the Word of God. You know, that is really interesting because... The word, a word, is the way that you can get the clearest picture of a person. The best way to get to know someone is through his words. Let me give you two examples. The first example would be, let's say you go to the shopping mall, and there you see someone that you know, you've never really met them, and you know in this next week, you're probably going to have a meeting with them, but you see them buying some coffee and tea. 
And you obviously make the assumption that this person must drink off your tea. So when they come over and you have your meeting with them, you're just going to present them with some coffee and tea. And the reality is, is it's a nice assumption. But the only way that you can know for sure that this person actually drinks coffee or tea is by going over and asking them, having a conversation, and hearing from their words what they like or dislike. So that's the one way our words reveal the, the most clearly who we are. Second way, second example that I can quickly give is I come from Pretoria. Now, shopping in Pretoria is a little bit different from shopping in Bloemfontein. Okay, I've discovered that the moment I arrived in Bloemfontein. Because Bloemfontein, when you go to the shopping mall, you can literally have a little family reunion there because of all the people that you know when you go to the shopping mall. Everybody, anybody experience something like that? The next week, you were thinking you're just going to quickly go and get something, and the next moment, a half an hour, an hour later, you're back at home after hearing what's going on with everybody everywhere. Now, if you would ask me, especially when I just came into Bloemfontein and didn't know a lot of people, if you'd ask me and point to some person somewhere saying, hey, this guy's a regular, do you know him? Uh, I mean, have you seen him? Have you ever met this man? If I have never spoken to that person, my answer would be no. Do you see how much we depend on someone's word to get to know them? We will not even say we've met them until we've spoken to them. And that's the first thing that, that is lifted out by John here. And he's saying, guys, Christmas means that now because Jesus is the word of God, he is the one thing that he, God decided to reveal himself through, that now Christmas means you and I, we can get to know God. We cannot just get to know about him. We can get to know him personally. We can have a relationship with him. We can have a conversation. We can meet him. That's the first thing that Christmas means. When John says Jesus is the word, you and I, we can get to meet him. You know, I've, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's still so much present in houses these days, but they were landline telephones, Okay. And um, the cool thing about the landline telephone, except for the fact that mom and dad always pays the bill the whole time, is the fact that when you pick up the telephone, you can actually eavesdrop on someone else's conversation. Ever, ever experienced something like that? So mom would be speaking to dad about something that you asked mom about, and she's calling him to find out, and you can just like eavesdrop and quickly find out what's going on, and what's the story, and what's the conversation, okay? So you can actually do that over a telephone. And the reality is that some of us experience our relationship with Jesus or with God like somebody eavesdropping over a telephone, just listening to other people's conversations and start getting to know about the other person. We study God by listening to what the pastor is saying or what the super Christian is saying or my Christian friend is saying, but never do I know him personally. Guys, when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the fact that we can get to know him personally. I want to tell you that this morning. You have the privilege of knowing God personally because the word came down. But not just only does Christmas mean the Word came down, the Word became flesh. Jesus is not just the Word, He's the Word that became flesh. So what does that mean? 
Well, the reality is it means our divine creator, superpower, universe, he, he, he created everything that we know and see. He decided to come down and to become flesh, to become human, to become vulnerable, to become killable in our midst. That's the second thing Christmas means. Christmas means that you can now know God knows you. Quickly want to say that again. So the second thing Christmas means is it means you and I, we can know that God knows us. Now, I don't know about you, but there was a certain time in my life when I was like super smart. I mean, I was an expert, especially just before I had kids. I was an expert at being a parent. Anybody like that? Like, I knew exactly what moms needed to do. And when I saw something like this, you can put up the picture, in the shopping mall, that's called a kid out of control totally, and mom is just trying to like make it happen there. It's like the extreme form here, yeah, and all they wanted, I just wanted a rasing or whatever it might be. When you see something like this, you would look at that poor mom and you would like think, that's now before you had kids and you had all of your wonderful experience. You were a master at being a parent. You would like look at her and you're like, shame that poor mom. I really, I, you know what I think? I know exactly what she needs. She needs to know how to discipline that child. I mean, just look at that. And then I became a father, a parent. And you know what's changed? It's as of all of my expertise, just like out of my head. Don't know anything now. I don't know what happened, but for some other reason, sometimes you have these moments when, when kids just they, they do things like this. What's happening? I mean, what am I doing wrong? It's kind of like the idea. And now, when I see a mother with a kid and it's going crazy in the shopping mall, the only thing I do is I just pray to Jesus. Jesus, just please be with that mother. Do not give her strength. Give her patience, please, Father. Otherwise, that kid might not make it to the end of the day. Anybody experience something like that? And what I'm trying to get to is once you've experienced things in life, it's as if you have the capacity to really walk with other people. You have more grace. You don't just judge them without any knowledge. And the reality is, is guys, if Jesus, God came down and he became, he became human, he knows exactly what you and I are going through. That's why we sing songs saying he's a wonderful counselor. Do you know what? The best counselor is one that's already gone through the troubles they're counseling people through. And that's reality. That's the one thing about Christmas. The second thing we can know and we can celebrate. It means that we serve a God that knows exactly, really, what we're going through. He became someone that knows exactly what you will go through as a human being. Then thirdly, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling amongst us. He came to live amongst us. Now, before I go into the third meaning behind Christmas, I just quickly want to mention something about this word dwelling. The word dwelling literally means tabernacle. That's the same word um, that John writes here and uses, it's the same word that's used to write down or describe tabernacle in the Old Testament. So 
literally it would sound something like this. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. And he made his tabernacle amongst us. Now, why is this significant? Um, let me quickly tell you. It means, the reality is, is when we read this, it means that Christian, uh, Christmas means that Jesus came to end all religions. Literally. That's, that's what it's a symbol of. It says if Jesus, if there's no longer any tabernacle, Jesus is now the tabernacle. It means that Christmas is the time that Jesus came to end all religion. There's this guy, um, he's a pastor, Dick Lucas, and he's retired, he's now living in London, and he had this story that he told of a um, hypothetical conversation between a pagan and a newborn Christian in the early Christian days. And he says, imagine this. The pagan neighbor comes to his Christian buddy, tells him, hey, I see you've become a Christian. That's great. This new religion that you've embarked on, where is your temple? And then the Christian looked at him and is like, um, well, we really don't have tabernacles or temples or anything like that. You know, Jesus is our temple. He is our tabernacle. And then the guy was like, what? What do you mean you don't have, but what, where do your priests go? You know, like priests have to have like a place where they, they can do their stuff. Where does the priest go? And then he's like, well, we don't have any priests because Jesus is our high priest. He is the priest. And to which the pagan neighbor would probably be replying, it's like, what's this story? I mean, where, didn't, where do you guys sacrifice stuff then? I mean, you have to sacrifice to get favor with the gods. I mean, to please the gods. There's rules, there's regulations. You need to give up. You need to make sure that the gods is happy with you, that you can have a relationship with them, and they can bless you. Where, you do, you do, where do you do the sacrificing? And he's like, no, we don't do sacrifices. Jesus is our sacrifice. To finally, which hopefully this pagan neighbor of yours would probably be replying and saying, well, then what kind of religion is this? Doesn't make sense. And then you would be replying, well, it's not. It's a relationship. And that's the reality. That's the third thing. Christmas means because God came down. No longer is there a system needed. No longer is there temples needed. No longer is there sacrifices needed. He is amongst his people. And he can do what he has created us to do. Have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And then fourthly, also connected to the word tabernacle or dwelling, Christmas means that Jesus came to close the gap. He closes the gap. Now, the word tabernacle, if you know a little bit about the Old Testament, literally means it's the place where God's presence dwelled. That's where he's, the hot spot of God's presence were in the tabernacle. That's like if you wanted to go and give God a visit and drink some coffee and tea with him, you go to the tabernacle. You need to go all the way over to Israel into the tabernacle and then you can have a chat with him. But in order to have a chat with him, it's not so easy. In fact, the first time this problem came up and that we can clearly start seeing it was when Moses wanted to meet God and see all of his glory for himself. And God said, Moses, no ways. You cannot do this. If you're going to see me, you're going to fall dead. Just like, there you go. It's gone. It's over. Have you ever wondered why? Why, when you come into God's presence, would you just fall flat and die? 
Well, maybe I can explain it like this. Imagine you have been wronged, but I mean horribly wronged. Not just someone said something bad about your mother. I'm talking about really, really being wronged. A serious life affecting evil or injustice has happened to you. It's horrifying. What happens to you and the person that's wronged you? There's this gap. Immediately, there's this gap. You want to avoid the person. You don't want to be in his presence. And if you want to be in his presence, you want to kill the person, probably. So there can no longer be a quality relationship. There is a gap between you and the person that has wronged you. And you know that no matter how many times this person will say he's sorry, it's just not going to close the gap. Saying sorry is not going to be enough. He will or she will need to do something to right the wrong that has been done. That's the reality. And why is it that we experience injustice and wronging on this level? Well, let me tell you why. It's because you and I, we are made in the image of God. And that is the way people that are made in the image of God experience injustice. When some other injustice or evil has happened, we ask that it needs to be righted. The wrong needs to be corrected. We cannot just leave it. We cannot just let it go if someone has wronged us. Am I correct when I'm saying this? It's all over the world. It's like this. We all cry out for justice. Just look at South Africa. We are hoping that the courts will bring justice to those who do wrong in this country. It's because you're made in God's image. It's not just something that you can let stand and leave alone. And therefore, God says, he says, guys, something needs to happen. Someone needs to atone for the wrong that has been done to me. And the reality is, is no matter how much the wrong that has been done to you, it is eclipsed in terms of infinity of how much we have wronged him by what we've done to his creation, by what we've done to each other, because we are part of his creation, by what we've done to him. We've wronged him on an infinite scale. It can never be compared to the greatest wrong that you've experienced on this planet. So God says, someone needs to close the gap. Someone needs to step in. You cannot just come into my presence. The wrong is too big. Someone needs to pay the price. And then in steps Jesus, who comes from heaven down to earth to close the gap. That's what the tabernacle was all about. You had a sacrifice, and you had priests to guide you through this process so that you can close the gap between you and your creator. And you know what's the amazing thing? Instead of you doing it, here you see your creator doing it first. He loved you so much that he came down first. That instead of leaving it up to us to close the gap, he came and he closed it himself. So that you and I can be with God always. Never ever to be separated from him ever again. That is what Christmas means. It means God has closed the gap 
and you can have an intimate relationship with your Father. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we are reflecting on the meaning of Christmas, looking past all the nice, amazing times with family and the amazing times that we can spend together and food that we can enjoy and presents we can share, God, we look at the greatest present that you've given. We look at Jesus. We see how he is the way that we can get to know you personally, intimately. We see that he is the one that understands everything that we are going through. We see that he came to end any form of religion and we no longer have to participate in some other system to get to you. But we can fully engage with your son, your person, Jesus Christ. And then lastly, God, we celebrate as we look at Christmas that you were the one that took initiative to close the gap that exists between man and their creator. And we celebrate your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.